This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team in collaboration with the JCT4 team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Hello and thank you for joining me. My name is Barry Nolan. I'm a member of the JCT4 team, which is part of the Junior Cycle for Teachers Support Service. In this podcast, I will be interviewing William Creighton, Master Craftsman and Wood Turner of Renown, about all things wood and discussing and exploring his creative process. Thanks very much for agreeing to, to join me for this conversation. And I suppose I'm just going to start off by asking you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, where, where did all this start for you? Well, I, I started off uh, in the, for the summer holidays of 69, 70, 71, 72. I finished up in the technical school in Ballina and uh, I had a job offered to me. Now, I had a keen interest in woodwork, but I also had a job offered to me as an apprentice electrician with the ESB in 1973. And I had to make up my mind which way I was going to go. So uh, the boss man and actress, David Michaels, I asked him, I said, look, could I have a job got in the ESB as an apprentice electrician? What's the chances of you taking me on as an apprentice joiner? So he left me for a couple of days. And on Thursday evening, he said to me, look what you can start Monday morning. So I scrapped the idea of being an apprentice electrician and became a joiner. And I spent three years working as a joiner. So I'm delighted that I did that because um, if I didn't, um, I suppose, you know, electrician is grand and everything, but uh, for the world of wood, and there's so many different aspects of woodwork between uh, joinery, carpentry and joinery, cabinet making, restoration work, boat building, all the different uh, aspects of woodwork and uh, shuttering and all that. So that's the route I took and that's where I went down and also in the line of wood turning. So I had a varied uh, apprenticeship. After you finished in Arthur's Willie, you told us before that you, you went to Germany for a little while to work as well. So could you tell us a small little bit about that? Well, first of all, I, I spent my time in Archer and then I went out on the site work. And then when I was finished on the, out on site work, I went to Germany. I spent almost a year in Germany working in a precast yard. And it's all precast concrete out there. So I was making, uh, now it might sound that it was kind of roughish kind of work, but it was a very high class because everything is precast out there. And we were making moulds for precast concrete stairs. And you had to be more accurate with those than actually nearly making the stairs because all the timber had to, when we got the drawings, you had to make exactly the reverse of what was on the drawing. And then the steel fixers made up the steels where they had only to make it 30 mil less, whereas we had to make it the opposite of what we the drawing we were getting. Then there was, um, they were brought out into the yard and the concrete poured and the system they had there was that they poured the concrete and uh, in about two and a half hours, the mould was stripped and uh, they were using quick set concrete and uh, it was hot water that we're using in the in the mix. It was uh, very interesting because you had concrete stairs, you had spiral stairs, and you'd make a, a mould for a, a thread for a spiral stairs, and then you'd make the, the mould for the landing. And then they were doing bypasses and bridges. We actually made a bridge in the workshop, and it was made in three sections. So it's very interesting work. That's fascinating, Willie. Yes. How does a, how does a guy go from making a, a bridge in a workshop in Germany to one of the finest wood turners in the country? Well, I like to uh, explore other things. And then when I, I came back from, from Germany, you see, I, I 
went working in a workshop, restoring antiques. When I was restoring the antiques, uh, there was some finials missing off clocks. The craftsman that was there, he was, he was an expert at it, the, the foreman in the job, and he used to let me do an odd little bit of wood turning. And I got an interest in wood turning then. But I spent three years there, but I didn't do that much turning. But when I saw an exhibition in Galway one time, uh, a guy called Mark Baker, which is the editor of the wood turning magazine in England now, he was doing a demonstration down in Caulfields in Galway where they were selling wood turning equipment. I took an interest and he told me that there was a seminar on in Gorey and that was in 1996. So I went to that seminar. I saw a guy there called, uh, he's a retired woodwork teacher now, uh, Tom Dunlop. I was watching Tom demonstrate and when I came back, I got really got into it and started practicing at it. And, you know, I had practiced the difficulty of the skill. It's very interesting. And I suppose, Willie, is it part of your work now or is it a pastime or how would you describe your process, I suppose, in wood turning? Well, it's part of my work. And as I'm getting a bit older now, it's it's kind of maybe from turning from a hobby into maybe we'll say I'm doing more wood turning now than I did, we'll say, two, three years ago. But I still do some roofing and um, second fixing and I make furniture. I make uh, I have a dresser to make for a guy now and. I have a table to make for another man and I have a few bits and pieces to do like that. And I always try and incorporate my wood turning into these jobs now that I'm doing, which which is good. And you see, there's not no apprenticeship for wood turning in this country. When you're doing cabinet making, you might have a leg for a table to do. Or if you're doing joinery, uh, you might have to turn the piece. Or if you're doing carpentry, you might have a barge on a gable and you might be have to turn a finial for the gable. For the gable. You might have drop panels to turn. So turning can be used in in all sorts of work, you know. And uh, that's why I liked it, because I said I'd be able to use this in my, in, in different things. And I also turn um, pieces of furniture, like table legs, for a, a furniture factory over in Castlebar and Karakil. I think, I, I think Willie, you've been a little bit modest when you talk about roofing and so on. I think just from a conversation you've had in the past, you've been involved in a number of very high-profile restoration projects where your wood-turning skills were used considerably to replicate existing work and to preserve the work of the past as well in various places. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a small bit maybe about that as well. Yeah, well, I've done a lot of turning in different places. And like take, for instance, the, the cathedral in Ballina, I re-roofed that back in 1999. Then in 2014-15, I uh, restored the ceilings and built two side altars and turned pilasters for the saints, which were about five foot high. They were uh, 600 in diameter and the pillar was um, 300 in diameter and it was uh, all reeded and fluted and turned those. That was a big project to take on. And then I built two side altars, which there was a lot of turning in, turning pilasters and all that type of thing. If you were to take something away, Willie, from all those different those different projects that you've worked on and so on, I suppose wood is the common feature in all of it. Everything has been timber related, whether it was you know replacing a finial on a on a small clock during an antique restoration, or you described it, a piece of timber like you're almost talking the size the size of a wheelie bin that you put it up on a lathe and you convert it into a into a pillar. That takes some understanding of the material. Where do you pick all that up? Well, yeah, I read a lot and I have a lot of old books. And when I was working in Archers, really, I picked up a lot of information because I worked for three summer holidays out in the yard in the office. And I met all sorts of builders coming in and cabinet makers and everything. And I was very, I'd be very inquisitive and I'd be asking a lot of questions. And 
So, you know, reading books and, you know, if you read a book that some fella has written, you're reading something that he has put his, maybe his lifetime into and you'll pick a lot of information out of that. And so it's about reading books and asking questions and then going away and doing the job. To, to maybe put it into language that, that we might use in education from time, time, from time to time, you're, you're very much a lifelong learner. You, you haven't just parked parked the training to one side at any stage that you've, you seem to have constantly been picking up bits and constantly upskilling and seeking out new information and, and, and soaking it up and, and bringing it to your practice. Is, is that a fair thing to say? That would be, that'd be, you'd be you'd hit the nail on the head there, uh, Mary. I suppose at this stage, Willie, we might move on and talk about a little bit more about maybe wood turning and that aspect of what you've done. You've you've been involved in a number of commission projects over the years in in terms of wood turning. And I suppose before we might get to them, I might just ask you, like, where do you draw your inspiration from? Where where do you where do you get ideas and so on from? Well, uh, I get ideas from uh, round about me. Would say if if you know as regards wood turning, if you go into a, a cathedral, you'll see or into a castle, you'll see turning things in stone and into a graveyard. Maybe it's all around you, all the different, and we kind of come up with any new shape. All the shapes were there before. It's just how you connect them together and sit down then and do a bit of sketching with freehand with the pencil and paper and coming up with different ideas and looking and sketching and that'd be basically how I'd go about it and I'd have a um, picture in my head uh, how it should look and then I'd put it onto paper and work around that and when I put the piece of wood up on the lathe then I might say well that'll be all right but then I might change it a little bit and um, that'd be how I'd um, get my ideas out. You very much work with natural forms and shapes from nature, and you're you're inspired by the the environment all around you. That's exactly it. If you look at nature, you you cannot go too far wrong. Like you will see, you have all the shapes, and there are the different leaves on the trees. Even you have you know, and 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 the shapes are there, and, and it, it's just it's about walking down and even going into a church. Maybe I might go down the country to Cork, Wexford, or what go into a church, have a look around. There's all sorts of different roofs. There's there's all sorts of... So I kind of have a, maybe a photographic memory and I can... I don't have to write that down and I can have a look at it and I have that picture in my mind when I go doing something again. And the other thing is I hardly ever write any measurements down because I can think of the measurements. I could measure something, maybe a roof or whatever it would be, and uh, I, I don't have to write down. I can remember every measurement if, uh, even if you ask me in a month's time, I'd be able to tell you exactly what they were like, you know. So. Fantastic. So I suppose, Willie, there was a particular project that you mentioned. You've mentioned the cathedral in, 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 in Ballina quite a number of times, and I suppose it's a project that's probably quite close to you from the point of view of, you know, from, it's in your locality, but equally you went to school there and so on. But there was a project you were involved with the Lions Club, I believe, in, uh, in Ballina at one stage, where they asked you to commission a piece. So I suppose you might, uh, you might take it from there, would you? Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, John McCormick there, he's involved with the Lions Club in Ballina and he asked me would I make something and I said, what would it be for? And he said, actually, he said, it'd be for the restoration fund for the cathedral. And he said, would you have any of the timber that make something? And I said, what would you like? Well, he said, we were thinking about a rugby ball and we're going to get the Irish team to sign it. So I got the wood and um, it's made from Baltic pine. It was um, imported from the Baltic States when it was built. The timber was dry and... Um, very close grain, first generation wood, so you won't get the likes of it to buy anywhere today. 
it was excellent for working with. And uh, I made the ball. Then I made a stand to go with it. And uh, I made the stand out of some of the new timber that we used because we had to use, we couldn't get good quality timber. So we used uh, Sapelian Mahogany. And I suppose, Willie, that particular project, like you took, you took the old material, like like that timber from that roof. Kind of, what age would that timber be? Well, in in five years' time, the cathedral will be two hundred years old, and uh, it's 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 you could say the the timber could be maybe three hundred and fifty, four hundred years old because it's first generation wood. Like it's um, and be the you first. Were able- you were able to take that old piece of timber like it was a cut away from the restored roof and you were able to breathe new life back into that through a new project. Like, is that something, would you would you regard that as something that is important to you? or? It is because, um, you know, you're, you're recycling and rather than scrapping it, you see, you have it there. And um, when you think about the tree growing, it's a living thing and uh, you're bringing the piece of wood back to life again and, it's 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 great to see that, and it's it's. Uh, I like restoration work and restoring because you think of the craftsman that was there before you, the the work that he put into it, and he hadn't maybe the equipment that I had. So I enjoy doing restoration work, and um, it was great to see. And even when I brought it back to the Lions Club, the, they couldn't believe that it was made from timber that that was that old. And equally, I suppose bringing the new timber into it as well. So you have a real. It's a real symbolic piece from the point of view of that it was first of all been used to raise funds for the restoration of the cathedral, but equally that you managed to bring the material from 200 years ago to meet the material of, of now. And I suppose the common denominator in all this again is the wood and your ability to, to actually marry the two together. That's it, yes, yeah. That was one particular project. There was another scenario too, I believe, where you were involved with a very famous project as well involving the Robinson family in Mayo. So you might Definitely. um you might you might allude to that as well if you don't mind. Well, um, I got some wood off Adrian Burke. Uh, that's uh, Mary Robertson's brother, and he's living there in Melna and in, in Castle Hill, out near Crossmalina. And he asked me that they were giving a talk in the art centre in Melna, and he said uh, we'd like her presenter with something. And he said, would would I be interested in taking on the thing and I uh, the project? And I said I would. So he said, what would you like? Well, he said, you know. You have timber there, and chest this is timber. Yeah. This this is this is timber, Willie, from their family estate. Is it? It can be a family estate, yes. And um, I got that, and um, I said to him, well, "Look at what you want." So he said, uh, "Well, a nice bowl." So the bowl I made was about maybe um, twenty inches in diameter and about maybe um, one hundred and fifty deep. So um, I now like that. It's a lot of these things come about, and you don't get much time, and don't get much time to think about them. So. The bowl was kind of straightforward enough to do and I got working on it and I got to get a brass plate to say where where it was made and who made it and who it was being presented to. So there was um, a talk down in Ballina and um, I presented her on the night. Uh, she was really thrilled with it when I went up to present it. Is it the scale of that work that impresses people or the detail or what do you think it is? Like 20 inches by a by 150 like that's a very that's a large large platter like is it, is it the scale of that or is the intricateness of it or the beauty of the timber what is it do you think that's that that's well, that it's, it's, the, it's the beauty of the timber and, and 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 you know when you finish a piece and have it sanded and the finish that goes on it it's 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 so tactile like you know the, to, to feel it alone like you know you, you wouldn't uh, you know a blind person would be able to feel that and they'd say, God, that's something else because the, the feel of it alone, when you rub it, it's like silk, you know, it was made from 
good chestnut and it was just like a piece of silk really. Yeah, she was very impressed with it and she was delighted to, to get it and to see that it came from the, the family estate. I suppose, again, it doesn't get much more local than that you have a, a local craftsman working with a local material presenting Thanks. a feast to a very prominent lady like that. But again, I suppose the connection she might have with that timber might be different to the connection you have with it, what, what was it growing on a tree that came from a family land and so on. So, Willie, I suppose just moving on with things, what part of the whole process of making something do you look forward to most? So if I rang you in the morning and said, right, look, I want, I want, you, to, I want you to commission a piece for me, like what excites you about that? Well, I, I, I'd be excited for a start, and uh, then then I'd be maybe driving down the road. That'd be on my mind, unless I was doing something else, but that'd be on my mind for most of the time. I'd be during the day or whatever. I'd be thinking about that as I'd be working away, maybe, and planning and thinking and saying, what kind of timber am I going to use in this? And the design for it, I'd, I'd be working it out. And then when I'd come home at night time, I might sit down with me pencil again and go through it and things like that. And, and um, is, it I, the excitement enjoy... is, it, is it the excitement of finishing it or working on it? Or is there a particular part of the process that you actually derive most enjoyment from? Is it, as I said, is it all about when it's, when it's done or is it about the process of getting there? Or what, what, what it's, part about, it's, it's about the process of getting there because you might be asked to make something and, you know, we'll say, for example, I made the drum for the concrete mixer that we made and you have to say, well, how am I going to hold this on the lathe? What sort of a thing am I going to set up? And it, there's a whole load of procedures that you have to try in. Now, sometimes they mightn't work. You might have to re rejig what you were going to, what you thought might work and, you might have a bit of planning. So it's it's really the planning and how the thing, because you might be making something that you never made before, which more than likely it would be. And um, you have to design and how you're going to work it, how you're going to mount it on the lathe and all the different processes, which are you going to do the inside first or the outside first or what? And, and uh, um, then you might, have, you might have to segment it. You might have to make up a lot of segments if you're building a piece and, there's a, there, you'd be figuring out how you were going to do that. So there's a lot of planning and sketching before you even start. Is it the challenge of that that, that whets your app? Like at this stage, you know, being a very accomplished woodworker and turner and so on, is it is it the challenge? Like, as I said, you take, say, something like that rugby ball probably wasn't the most intricate, complicated thing that you've ever did, but you seem to have derived a lot of enjoyment from it. You're describing a very complex process there in terms of making the drum of a, of a, of a cement mixer and so on. But they're, they're, they're both the same thing from the point of view of their turn from wood and so on. This is it the challenge around the making of something that, that excites it's you? The challenge. It, 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 it's the challenge that excites me and that it's something new. And the more difficult it would sound, the nicer, the, the better I'd like it. Good stuff. That's 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 good. Really, I suppose again, it, it all goes back to pushing yourself to explore new things and new boundaries, and no doubt upskilling all the time when that's happening. What are you working on at the moment? Have you any any projects on the go at the minute? You mentioned to me at one stage that you were working on a, a thing called a smoker's bow. No, I didn't know what a smoker's bow was, so I had to I had to go and look that up myself. But um, and for anybody listening, I suppose a smoker's bow is probably worth looking up just to get to actually get an image of what the thing is. But it's a it's a very elaborate type of a chair, I suppose, probably the best way of putting a willy, is it? Yeah, it's a la an elaborate chair. A lot, a lot of there's there's a lot of turning in it. You have the four legs, you have the stretchers, you have the post for uh, under the arms, and there's a lot of lot of there's a good bit of turning in it. And then it's the 
cabinet making then and cutting the seat and getting that ready. So the seat is all one piece. It's a piece of elm and um, chair that I'm making now, it's going to be ash legs, an elm seat and an elm back on it. Why are you making a smoker's bowl? During the lockdown, I, I decided that I'd make it and I'd get it ready because um, I always uh, was fascinated with, fascinated with making chair making. And I think it's a craft on its own. It's a, a trade in itself. And uh, to be able to make a chair and have it that it's comfortable and it's going to last maybe 100 years. And then when I was restored in antiques, I restored a lot of chairs and uh, it's time consuming and uh I said, I always had it in me head to make a chair. Now, I did make a Windsor chair, but um, this is a smoker's bow, so I'm looking forward to when I to, to, to working on it. So this is kind of a hobby project as much as, a, as anything else? It's a hobby project. I'm not really pushed about it. I'll get at it. I'll turn the legs and then I'll, I might just, I, I might turn the four legs and the stretchers and then turn the spindles for the back of it and get the back ready. I have all the material uh, there now and planed up and ready for, for, for action. It must be great to have such an interest in a thing that you can do your job as a hobby from time to time when you want to as well, but not just a hobby, but it's a real challenge as well. I suppose that's, that's, well, it that's, is. It, 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 that's the beauty about it. And, um, you know, um, people have said to me, do you ever get fed up working with wood? And I said, no, I'd, I'd never get fed up with it. And he said, well, you're working with it day and night because I'm during the day I might be up on a roof. I might be inside hanging doors. And when I come home at night time, I'm doing some wood trimming. I might be making something or repairing something. I, I, I after repairing a rocking chair there now, and it's a very old rocking chair, and um, it's finished now on a poster. And the people where, did, where did that project come from? Where did the old rocking chair come from? Well, uh, I, I roofed, uh, I did a, uh, an extension on a house come back 1999 and re it. And this rocking chair was up in the attic and uh, there was rails missing out of it. And this lady that uh, owned it, she came down from Wicklow and uh, she had moved to Ballinaya and it was up in the attic and there was a bit of wood around in it. And uh, I roofed the house for her Sunday and he said, sometime I might get that rocking chair. And... Um, he contacted me there about maybe two, two, three months ago about the rocking chair and he brought it up and uh, I said, I'll do it. So I stripped it all down, took all the upholstery, took a lot of photographs of it before I started it and then stripped it all down, dismantled it, cleaned it into the bare wood and made the pieces that were missing and put it all back together again. And um, then I gave it down to the guy to upholster it and um, he stained it and sprayed it. I didn't want staining or finishing on it actually. Because will he do do projects like that find their way to your door a bit? Uh, they do, yeah. The people know on the last and even today uh, a guy contacted me about a table. He said there's a woodworm in it and he said it's an old table. Would I have a look at it? And I said... Um, Probably will. I'll have a look at it and see if we can. And uh, Willie, do you mind me asking how 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 do these people find you? Do you advertise or do you, you know, if I find Google, I, if I, I would I find you on Google, like, or how how do they come across you? Well, if you found me on Google, it'd probably be more to wood turning, but um, it's kind of word of mouth, and you know, um, if I do a job in a house, I'll do it maybe better than I do it for myself, and. Um, People never ask, uh, you know, how long was he here? And they'll say, who did that job? Because they know it might be, it'll be well finished and all that. And it's word of mouth, really, that gets work for me. I never advertised in my life. Yeah, no, no that's, that's, I just, I'm just asking that, Willie, because, like, I suppose every, I, I won't say everybody's heard of you, but in our circles, 
a lot of people have heard about you and I suppose it's it's to do with well, that's that's to the teachers and uh, when I met up with the technical teachers the first time and I went over to Castlebar to their uh, gym and I bought a few pieces over me the football and a few bits and pieces and what I wanted to get at was that um and I said uh, I'd like if I could get students maybe one or two that would be interested in wood turning and get them all to the one centre, maybe two from Ballinacle uh, or wherever they were from, and uh, that I'd give them a bit of tuition and on a Saturday. So they got back to me after about three weeks and they said, it wasn't the students that needed the they'll be gone next year, we'll be left. It's the teachers themselves. And that was in 2004. And uh, that's how I got involved with the teachers. And it has worked out very well. I've demonstrated at their conference in a few years, nearly every year since. And uh, it's working well. And a lot of the teachers has come to me for upskilling. Yeah, and equally like ourselves here in Junior Cycle for Teachers, we, you kindly ran workshops for us back in February uh, down in your own workshop and also up at the carpentry store. And It's a thing, I suppose, that you seem very keen to promote the craft and the skill of wood turning. Like you've mentioned it a number of times where maybe you, you didn't feel it's been catered for well enough in, in apprenticeship training and so on. And equally, the fact that the, the teachers of our subjects are coming to you looking for advice and upskilling. It's a real endorsement of, of, of your ability and your, and your craftsmanship, but equally of your passion about the craft itself and your ability and willingness to promote it. Well, if you were to meet a, a lad of 18 or 19 now, maybe like yourself, and he was interested in working with wood and so on, what advice would you give him? Well, I'd say, look what I'd say, you know, it's a good trade if you work with wood. You won't become a millionaire, but you'll, you'll maybe if you're building a house you have everyone has to build a house you do all the work yourself and um you'll if you're married you'll be able to run a house and a family on it and um you know i had i have no regrets whatsoever like you know i i and sometimes i went when i was working uh with the retired with teachers now that's retired when they were building houses i'd go over saturday and you know i'd i'd nearly work for nothing to find out information from them and uh I had great woodwork teachers when I was going to the school and um, I, I'd give advice to any young fella that it's a great trade to take up and um, it's a lot easier now than it was then because we have power tools and we have, when I started off there was no such thing as a skill saw, it was a hand saw, cutting roofs with a hand saw, cutting sheets of chipboard for kitchens and wardrobes with a hand saw and planing up the edging with a, with a hand plane and it was a different year altogether but uh, it was enjoyable. But equally, you've adapted quite well to the modern era too. And I suppose, going back to the whole thing about being a lifelong learner and dedication to upskilling and so on, I suppose you, you, you're never finished learning, are you? Well, you're never. Every day you learn something new and some days you learn two things. You know? Super. Um, well, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about yourself before we finish up here? Is there any other bits and pieces you're working on or projects that we might have not talked about at this stage that you'd like, you'd like well, to? Well, uh, uh, one very interesting project I was on was um, it's it's funny about this project because um, and there was two there was another one there was a boat that I built going back maybe about fifteen twenty years ago uh, uh, an eighteen foot sailboat uh, made from uh, an oak keel and uh, large planking and a mahogany deck. But um, one fellow said to me, he said, why did you go building a boat? And I said, sure, it's only a roof upside down. It keeps the water out, I said. <laughs> That's very good. So that was the boat. But, uh, a project I was in uh, was, uh, with last year was very interesting. It was um, 
bog deal, uh, which is the same as Red Deal, uh, but it was down the bog for about uh, out in Belmullet for 4,000 years and it was dug up. And the guy that was making got it carbon dated and it was uh, 4,000 years old. He dug it up, brought it down on Arctic, down the water for it, and got it planked and got it kindled right. Then he brought it back up to me and I looked at it and he said, I want a table. Now, the table was eight foot long and three foot wide. And um, uh, now he said, you won't be able to make this in your own workshop. He said, this is a project that has to be out in uh, where it's out in Belmullet. He said, in a place called Caratig. It's a great foot area. And this table, when it's finished, it's going to be buried in the ground for 25 years. So I said, uh, God, uh, it's a pity about this. I said, you know, so the wood is so nice and everything. So I went out anyways. And the plan was that he, he wanted to make a table with legs on it that resembled tables in different areas of the village around Caratag. So he'd go into a house and he took photographs of a table and there was this style of a table and that style of a table. And he had, well, he wanted to put on five legs on the table. And I said, it won't work with five. I said, you know, he, he wanted it kind of odd or something. But we finished up talking about it anyways and we put four legs on it. And I, he had drawings for three, which I was working from a drawing. And then I said to him, would it be possible that I could have my own design for the leg? And he said, yes. And so we had, I turned the legs, I marked it and uh, tinned it and um, all by hand, uh, uh, did the top and uh, planed it and joined it with a number seven Stanley plane, glued it up and assembled the table. And uh, I was uh, two and a half days out in Belmullet making this table. So when it was finished, there was a good few people in looking at it from the area and they said it would be a sin to bury with this table and uh, it ended up, they didn't bury it and um, Dr Seamus Caulfield he was the guy that uh, founded the cage of fields down in Valley Castle and um, he launched it and uh, we had a great night out there in Valmullet in Caratig launching it and it's, it's, it's on display out there So really that particular table the timber came from the ground of the area taken out by, a, taken out by an artist, brought away converted into a usable material and brought back to the area where it was dug up from and worked on there. So he really had a grow for, 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 for that timber and keeping it keeping it local. He had, yeah. And um, it was an interesting project. And I was I, the, 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 the funny thing about it was the workshop I was making in, in it, he's a blacksmith, but he's also a boat builder. He's a curler. He makes curls. And um, I learned a lot of information about the curls. And I'm hoping to go back sometime and uh, build a curragh. That's brilliant. Look, Willie, um, thanks very much for joining me for, for this podcast and for imparting all that knowledge and information and wisdom to me and also um, to the listeners. Uh, I have to say I've found it fascinating working with you over the last couple of weeks, just getting, I suppose, doing a bit of research and a little bit of getting a bit of background into it and so on. And uh, I feel yes. like I know you an awful lot better afterwards. And I'd just like to thank you very much for your input. And um, I look forward to working with you in the future on various other projects. Yeah, well, thanks uh, very much, Barry, and uh, delighted that I met you, and um, I enjoyed working with you, and thanks, thanks a million. Thank you for listening to this podcast, which was created by the Arts and Junior Circle team in collaboration with the JCT4 team. To hear more from Junior Circle Talks, search for us on SoundCloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts.